Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. Next week, we're starting our Advent message series, and uh, that's good. We're going to talk about the birth of Jesus. We're going to talk about why God had to come in flesh, and it's going to be a real kind of like, let's get down the basics type of deal, amen? And so if you have somebody that you've been wanting to invite to church, you weren't sure when to invite them, this message series is going to be perfect. So we're just going to talk about who Jesus is and why he had to come, amen? Amen. If you've got a Bible, go ahead and turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 1. If you're there, let me hear you say, yeah. All right. Hebrews 12, starting in verse 1, says, Therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let's rid ourselves of every obstacle and the sin which so easily entangles us, And let's run with endurance the race set before us, looking only at Jesus, the originator and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Amen, amen. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for the band. Thank you, worship team. Hallelujah. We're finishing up our message series, Flip the Script, today. And uh, at the end of the service, we're going to have an altar call. And we're going to lay hands on people who need breakthrough in their lives. Who are ready to move and flip what the enemy has been doing. And release what God wants to do. Amen? I believe God is going to touch some people. We're going to go back into worship. And I believe God is going to move in this place. Happy Thanksgiving. Hallelujah. Yeah, we're going to have to, yes, let's just be alive. We got, we got half our church traveling. We got a lot, a lot of young people in church. They just travel to family over the holidays. So we got a ton of people traveling. We say hello to you online. And it's so wonderful to be with you all today in person. I'm going to preach myself happy today. That is my, that is my goal. Finishing up our Flip the Script message series, and I'm going to talk today about the undying flame of joy. The undying flame of joy. This, uh, this passage that I read, it's a, it's a, it's a strange passage. It's, 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 it's kind of it's weird if you, if you don't know Jesus and you haven't actually encountered him. He says, Jesus... For the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Doesn't say he went to the cross. Doesn't say he agreed to the cross. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. I'm doing a deep dive in, uh, in this idea of righteousness, peace, and joy that God offers us. And um, I, I, I love living a prophetic life. Because when you live a prophetic life, have you noticed that all kinds of streams in your life go towards one theme? Have you noticed that? That what you're reading might go along with what you're studying in the Word, will go along with what's being preached, and, and what you're watching even in the movies and TV sometimes, it all comes together and you're like, wow, God is talking to me through just the world. And I recently read a book by a woman named Corey Ten Boom. I don't know if 
You've read this book. It's a famous Pentecostal book. She was a woman who lived in the Netherlands in the 1930s. And uh, uh, the, the Nazis were coming to power. And of course, they took over the Never- Netherlands. And she began as a young, well, she was a middle-aged woman. And she began uh, hiding Jews. She decided to start leading a network. And it was not her desire to lead a network. She just saw as a spirit-filled believer that Jews were being persecuted. They were being carted off. Uh, their, their, their businesses were being vandalized. They were being harassed on the streets. Eventually, they were being taken away to concentration camps. And she decided that she was going to start hiding them here and there. And, and then uh, a network that had been formed found her and said, hey, we understand what you've been doing. We want to help you out. And eventually, she became the leader of the network of the resistance that was hiding Jews in her area of the Netherlands. And uh, as you can imagine, the Nazis uh, were not happy about this. And so she was carried off to a concentration camp. She and her sister and her father were all carried off and the people living in the house with her. And uh, her dad was a godly man every, every morning. He was a watchmaker, him and his employees. He would have them all sit down at the beginning of the work and he would read one chapter of the Bible. Then he would pray. didn't matter what faith they were. They prayed with him. And uh, he read the Bible. And uh, the, the sisters were godly women. They had uh, saved themselves from marriage. They consecrated themselves to Jesus their whole lives. And uh, they were carried off to the concentration camp. Their father quickly passed away, unfortunately. And, um, uh, and, and, and Corey Tenboom, uh, her, her sister, she said, was the most godly woman she ever met. And her sister was telling her, in the midst of this concentration camp, we have to stay believers. We have to stay Christians, and they were able to smuggle in these small New Testaments, and they would uh, gather in these concentration camp barracks where a thousand people would stay where it was built for 150 people, and they would read a little bit of the scriptures, and then someone would translate it into one language for those prisoners, and then someone would translate it into another language for those prisoners, and it would kind of go from group to group to group as she shared the gospel, and as they were starved every day, uh, day by day, they, their labor Uh, caused them to be starved, and they began to wither away. Her sister, when she was just skin and bones, would still challenge Corey. Listen, we have to stay thankful in all things. And they got moved to a new concentration camp, and uh, and they just she said, "Well, listen, we're going to pray, and we're going to thank God that we have a place to lay down tonight." And Corey's like, "It's it's literally a piece of wood. There's nine people in a five foot stack that's living here." And she's like, "We're going to stay thankful for everything, and we're thankful for this blanket." And Corey's like, "This doesn't even cover us. What do you?" What are you talking about? But yeah, we, th- we thank God for that. And thank God that we're still alive. And it was riddled with fleas, this, this, this place where they were at. And she says, where are you going to thank God for the fleas? He's like, I, 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 can't, I can't go that far. I can't, I can't thank God for the fleas. And she said, no, 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 no. We have to be thankful in all things. And she's like, I, 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 I don't know. She's like, you have to decide. Are we going to stay Christians or not? This is a couple years into their internment and uh, her sister was on death's door and she says, I will, I will choose to be thankful for the fleas out of your godliness. And uh, as they were in this concentration camp, there was a, a, a workplace where they, where they worked. And generally where you worked in these concentration camps, the, the, the guards would come along and just randomly beat people. Just, just, just beat them for no reason. Just to intimidate them. They were sadistic and, and mean. Except they were assigned to this one sewing factory. In this sewing factory, no guards would go in this sewing factory because it was so riddled with fleas. Praise God. 
And Corey said, I learned something powerful in that, that my thankfulness changes my circumstances. In the midst of a concentration camp, and her sister unfortunately died shortly thereafter, and she was able to sneak away, Corey, and look in the window where they just stacked dead bodies, and there was her sister, the most godly person she ever knew, just stacked like a piece of wood. But in her heart, she knew that her sister was with her Creator, that this hope that she held on to, she finally received the reward of her suffering. I'm just, I'm awestruck in who God is and how God can turn all things for good if we give him the opportunity. I'm, 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 I'm in awe and in thanks and praise that he's not up there not knowing what's happening in our world. He's not dumbstruck. He's not naive. He's not up there just telling us to do things that don't make any sense. He actually, he actually knows what he's doing. And sometimes it's easy to think that we're alone, even in the midst of our struggles and in our suffering, God has still given us tools to change our circumstances in ways we don't understand. I, I think that there's so many times that we think that we're alone and we're completely unaware of the angels that surround us. Have you ever been surrounded or just suddenly surprised by the appearance of an angel where you're in a room? You're like, whoa, I didn't know you were there. There have been seasons of my walk where I've been acutely aware of angelic activity and other times where I was just aware by faith. And I, the Lord, by His grace, has enabled me and empowered me to see angels many, many times in many, many places and places I was looking for them and places I wasn't looking for them. I'm, I'm often surprised by the activities of angels because I've noticed that they're rarely doing what you expect them to do. They're doing stuff and you didn't know they would be doing stuff. And there's big angels and there's little angels and there's angels who have very great authority and there's angels who are just happy. Did you know there's angels of, of joy? This isn't in the Bible. You don't have to look there. This is Carl. Well, it is actually, but uh, this is Carl. I've seen, I've seen just the cutest little angels that make people happy and they're just giddy and they're like little kids rolling around. And, and you're like, why? Why would God, there's so many problems in the world. Why would he, why would he send joy? Let me tell you, because joy is powerful. God has emotions, the Bible shows us, and he actually wants you to be happy. He actually cares about your well-being, and he actually wants you to be happy. And so if, if we are Christians, and people even in concentration camps can encounter God's joy and thankfulness, we have to ask the question, if God wants us happy, why are so many of us miserable? Why? And I speak that with no shame. That's a real question because I, I want to be happy. I hope you want to be happy as well. How do we live a life marked by joy? This, 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 is, this is what we need to get at today. This is what we need to unpack. And we're going to lay hands on people at the end of the service and we are going to release some righteousness, peace, and joy in some people's lives. Amen. Amen. Uh, I, I, ignore what I'm about to say here. Uh, we need to switch the lights over, FYI, just so you know. There we go. And so, 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 so um, there's a difference we have to recognize between joy and happiness. There's a difference we know between being sad and being depressed, right? We, we get that many people can get sad in many circumstances, but we need not fall into 
depression. We, 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 we get that. And um, Thanksgiving, uh, you know, this past Thanksgiving, I, I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. I had a, I had a special Thanksgiving because last year, uh, we, my family was unable to have Thanksgiving because my mom had been diagnosed with cancer. She had been, her body was riddled. I mean, it was riddled with cancer. And uh, we have a big Thanksgiving uh, feast every year, but we were unable to get together. Not only was she just beginning chemo, but I had COVID, which is from the devil. I, I don't know. And, and people who get mild COVID, I think you didn't actually have COVID. That's me personally, because I thought I'd have had to get better to die. That's how, that's how I felt. I was too sick to die when I had COVID. Like I would need marked improvement to move up to death. And uh, I, I, was, I was not good. And so we got together uh, for Thanksgiving, my, 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 my mom and my sisters and my kids and their kids. And we got together and we had, the, had all the food and had the, the turkey. And see, I'm Italian. And Italians, what you do is, if you have like eight people coming over for dinner, each person makes eight people worth of food. And so you wind up with like 64 people worth of food. I don't know how many potatoes were sacrificed for this Thanksgiving get-together, but I, I, it's we, could have, we could have avoided the potato famine uh, if, if we just had what we had at my Thanksgiving. Uh, it, it just, it's just a ridiculous number of food. We're still eating it. Uh, this, this, we're probably going to eat it tonight. I've, just, I've, I've gotten used that I'm eating turkey and ham for dinner until, you know, until it changes, until, until announcement comes that it's going to change. That's just what we're having for dinner, because we, that's just till further notice. That's what we are having. But we're at Thanksgiving, and um, my, my joy, but I, I'm at here, I'm here, to, I'm here to celebrate my mom not having cancer, celebrate all the great things we're having. Amen, amen, amen. Yeah, so thankful for that. And here's what's weird, though. We had said we were going to make a huge celebration of my mom not having cancer. And uh, I got a call at the beginning of dinner that my son's car was having problems. He was at work, which is where he's at right now. He's at work and he couldn't get his car started again. And so here I am in the midst of this celebration of, the, of you know, as I prayed at that meal, Lord, we thank you, my mom is still alive, right? Like, just, just, just for her life. And yet, at the same point, my joy was being robbed because I couldn't figure out how I was going to fix my son's car. I'm at a celebration, but my joy was being challenged. And I had to say to myself, no, Carl, we cannot let the temporal interfere with the eternal. Like, we have to maintain this joy in celebration in the midst of these problems. It was, a, it was a choice I have to make. See, happiness is based on what I'm feeling maybe right now. But, but for the Christian, joy begins with seeing how God loves his creation and how it ends with humanity ultimately being reconciled for God where we see him face to face. I want you to see this for the Christian. Our life has two bookends. At the one bookend, at the beginning here, there is the God of heaven and earth who created us in his image. And he created us to be objects of his love. And here at the other end of the Christian life is where we are fully redeemed or received fully into the Godhead. We're fully redeemed, fully brought in, now the, the veil has been removed and we'll see him face to face. That's where we come from. That's our true identity. We're created in God's image to be loved by God. And where we are ending up as believers is to be fully accepted 
into the triune life of God where we see him face to face. And now we live here in the middle of these two realities. And if you are traveling through the woods or you're trekking through a hike on a, on a foreign land and you just have a compass and a map, what they say to do is you get some markers and you start creating a line with these wayposts. And you put one here and then you put another one here and then you line them up. And then you look and you say, okay, I want to go in a way that lines up with these two markers. I want to stay right in the middle of those. And if you see yourself deviating off course, you say, I need a course correction. And what I'm hoping today is that some people get a joy course correction. Amen. This is, this is, this is, this is what we're hoping for. And this has always been the truth about the church. Our early church mothers and fathers, they, they taught about this very thing. They called it meditating on God's goodness, and that this was the source of a Christian's joy, that we actually take time out of our day, out of our life, and we just meditate on God's goodness. Uh, St. Augustine, he wrote that he gave, in, in, his, in, his, um, in, his, in his book, uh, Con the Confessions, he wrote, he, this, I just found this beautiful, he wrote, he gave thanks to God, writing, I give thanks to you, my source of sweet delight, and my glory, and my confidence. This is Augustine, one of our greatest theologians the church has ever known. Teresa of Avila would sit, and she would write about this. She would just sit, and she would just think about the goodness of God. And she would think about the goodness of God seen in his character. And she would think about the goodness of God in the works of his creation. And, and I talk to a lot of you, and people tell me, you know, I just, when I want to be alone with God, I just, I just go to the beach, or I just go into the woods and, and nature. Now, now, for me, and I have these ADHD tendencies. If I, if I go in the woods, all I'm hearing is birds, and, and I, that, that's like, not going to work for me. Or if I go to the beach, I just see waves. That's, that's all that happens. But many people, they just sit for some reason. They're able to look at nature, and they're like, I don't know why it is. I just go into nature, and I just can commune with God. And historically, the church understands that the glory of God can be seen. It's revealed in his creation. The creation reveals the glory of God. And, and, and if you are wired in a way where you can just sit and observe his beauty and think, man, God, God make all these waves this beautiful and he makes the tides. And you're like, oh, it's a gravitational pull of the moon. Yeah, I get all that. But we all thinks we give glory to God, right? And you're thinking, man, look at the beauty of this, this, these woods. And you could have been wired in a way where you felt like the trees were out to get you, right? Like they're out to steal your yard. Or You know paranoid people, they can find the negative in anything. But you are wired in a way where you could see the beauty in these things. And you can thank God for that. Me, I just, that's not going to work for me. I need to be in a small room with lots of noise and then I'm good to go. But in, 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 in creation, we can just stop and meditate. Man, my God made all of this. And he is wonderful. But we need to slow down our lives and we need to meditate on the goodness of God. To the Father, the Son, the Spirit, they have this joyful interaction between the three of them. And out of their joyful interaction overflowed creation. 
This is where creation comes from. This comes from a God who creates in his nature. If you're an artist, if you're a singer, you're a musician, that is an aspect of God's nature because God is a creator. People talk about this creator culture. Our God is the originator of creator culture. He created the earth. He created the stars. He created you. He even created your enemies because he likes to mix things up, right? He creates all things. He's our creator God. Now, 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 we know there was a time in history, and if you, if you study like maybe Catholic history, you know the time where God got a bad rap. He was like very angry. He was so excited about sending people to hell, and they developed this kind of weird theology that God is very angry. He's mad at you, and he's going to kill you, so you need to run to him <laughs> and he will save you. Jesus will save you from the Father. Like this weird kind of theology that doesn't necessarily make sense. See, Jesus came to save you from the devil. He didn't come to save you from the Father, right? He's not saving you from God. He is God, right? He is the exact image of the Father. The God has always been like Jesus, the Bible tells us. He is love and he loves you. I'm, I know I'm messing with some people's theology right now. I know I'm just tweaking your brains because you were learned your whole life that God is angry and the only way to get God not angry is to be closer to the angry God. I could, but and, 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 and as you start to think about that critically, you're just like, that doesn't make sense. So much sense, personally, that doesn't, and because it doesn't, right? But, and so that was a theology, and so the reformers came along, and the reformers said, this, this doesn't really make sense, but in their, in their Westminster catechism, their shorter catechism, they put in plain English, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. That is the chief aim, to enjoy God forever. Jonathan Edwards wrote in his Religious Affections, he wrote out of 1 Peter 1, and he, he talked about that, um, that, that, that God is love, and God wants us to be loved. And as spiritual Christians, we see in our worship, these, just like what we experience today as we just began to sing, worthy is your name, and the glory began to come in the room, and God felt so close to us, and he felt like, man, I just, I see something bigger than me out there. There's something that I can be connected to that's beyond my circumstances, and this is, this is what God desires for us, and uh, for many of us, we set, uh, set, a, set our hearts to enjoy this God, to commune with this God, and, and there were seasons in my life, and I know I'm coming into these seasons again, where I would have Worship surrounding me 24 hours a day. I would sleep with headphones in because my wife didn't much like me playing music on repeat. When we got engaged, I would like put a song on repeat that was ministering to me and I would just leave it on all day. And I'd go to bed, I'd just leave it on and my wife was like, yeah, no, that's not, that's not going to work. That's, that's not what we're signing up for. I didn't sign up for that. And uh, so I would wear headphones and, uh, and uh, I, I just, I, I feel myself being drawn into another season of just continual worship. Anybody out there? I'm not the only one, right, Duke? No, I'm not the only one. Yeah, just leave it on repeat. Came in this morning. I just got songs on repeat. My wife's like, you just got a song on repeat, don't you? I do. Yes, I do. I ain't ashamed of it at all. Write another song good as that one. I'll play it too. I'm down. I'm down. It might be. I might do it this year, Mikey. Watch out. We might do it this year. <clears throat> but but, but this, is, this is what we were created for. We, we, we were created to live 
a life of joy, we have to connect to God's wellspring of joy. You, you can't just, you can't think it up. You can't muster it up. You can't faith it up. You can't just decide, I'm going to be happy. Don't you hate when you're depressed and someone's like, why are you depressed? You have so many good things happening. Like, that's not helpful at all. I'm, I'm, that's, just, that's just not, it's not helpful. You can't get this from someone else. We have to connect to God's wellspring of joy. We have to encounter the living God in a way where his spirit touches our spirit and his nature gets infused into our nature and we have a greater reality of his joy than we have of our own suffering. This is what we have to do as believers. Amen? In the book of Acts, Paul is seen and he gets to minister to King Agrippa and Paul Paul had like this call on his life. He's like, I hear a lot of people say they're called to minister to kings and priests and, or, or kings and, and presidents and, 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 nations and leaders of nations. And Paul was like, this is my call. And if I got to go to prison to do it, I'm willing to do it. A lot of people these days are like, I'm going to become rich so I can do it. And Paul's like, if I got to be a prisoner to witness to these people, I'll do it. And in fact, Paul was taken prisoner and he was in front of Agrippa and he didn't beg for his life. He didn't beg for what he wanted. He began preaching the gospel to King Agrippa. He preached the gospel so strongly to Agrippa. Agrippa's like, man, you would almost have me become a Christian. And, and Paul's like, not just you, but everybody. I'm, I'm down for everything. Like, and so he had like this mountaintop experience with Agrippa. But you know what happened after that? Right back to prison. So he had this mountaintop experience where God had fulfilled his word and he was preaching to leaders and he goes back to prison. And so many of us would be like, man, what happened, God? Did you, did you fail me? Like, I thought, you know, I thought I was your man. And, and prison then isn't like prison today. Literally, the prisons were, were like the, the basements of castles, dirt floors. You may be able to stand up. You may not. Some people were in empty wells is where they would put. That's where they believe Jesus was the night he was betrayed. He was in an empty well at Caiaphas's house. And Paul most likely was chained to a wall of this prison for extended periods. <clears throat> but in that season of him being right after Agrippa, he writes a book to the church in Philippi. And in Philippians 4, 7, we, we see this amazing scripture, Ephesians 4, 4. He's writing to, Philipp, the, to the Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all the people. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, just, just pray and talk to God and let your requests be made known. And the peace, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. I, I tell you, Paul tapped into that wellspring of life that Jesus promised us. Paul was not living out of his experience. Paul was not living from a place where he had to be happy in order to preach the gospel. He wasn't at a place where things got to line up for me, or I have to get the, I got to get the, the promotion at work, or I got to get the bonus I was promised, or I need to get the right score in this, and certainly not the Florida Gators winning a game in the last five of the year. Definitely he didn't need that. He had a joy that he tapped into that was beyond human comprehension and it overflows in such a way that we're still reading what he wrote today this is something eternal he was able to produce because he didn't live out of his current situation he lived out of the wellspring of joy that he got from Jesus and time and again the bible paints the picture of us being 
connected to God and encourages us to get everything we need from God. And, and, and this preaches good and it, and it sounds good and it seems interesting, but I wonder how many of us actually do that on purpose. Now, surely when God does a miracle, we're like, thank God my mom got healed of cancer. Praise God I got the car we so desperately needed or my daughter or my son got out of that crazy situation and then we overflow with joy or maybe the worship team comes together and something happens in the atmosphere and the glory comes down and we're joyful and thankful to God or maybe we had a rough season and now we're in a better season and we've got some joy. But I wonder how many of us make a conscious effort to obey the clear teachings of Scripture, and tap into the wellspring of joy that Jesus has for us and choose, and choose to live a life drawing from the Spirit of God. We're supposed to be the Spirit-filled Christians, right, Chelsea? I believe we're supposed to be the Spirit-filled ones, the ones who are connected to God by Spirit and function in Spirit, and yet sometimes we don't seem any happier than the world. A spirit-filled Christian sometimes. We got a PhD in the gifts and we got a GED in the fruit of the Spirit. I don't know if you've noticed that. I see Pentecostals, a spirit-filled tongue-talking folk who, who get more worked up about things not going their way than just regular old Baptists who believe that God is sovereign. And I wonder, maybe, maybe, maybe we have laser-focused on the gifts so much that we have forgot about the sovereignty of God in total, and the goodness of God in general, and that in all things to give thanks. <laughs> Hallelujah. Is that okay? Can I say that out loud? I'm talking about us. I'm talking about us. I'm talking about my own people. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about my people who feel like, oh, I got the power of God, so I should be able to control everything around me. No, 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 no. He's still God. He's, he's still the God. He may have gave you the weapon, but he's the one who puts the bullets in it. He's the one who gives you the word. He's the one who gives you the spirit. He's the one who animates our word. And sometimes, like Paul, he's going to have to get you lower to get where he needs you to go. There are some doors you think are closed to you, but it's not closed. It's just a little gap on the bottom, and you didn't get low enough to get in there yet. That's the problem. We're too big to get into the gaps that God has for us. Because we won't focus that my God is still sovereign. My God could get me wherever he needs me to go. I don't need people to do things. I don't need stuff to line up my way because my God is still God. I may be suffering right now, but my God has the last word. And so I'm not going to give up hope right now in my God. <laughs> get ahead of myself right now, but my God, my God, my God, my God, my God. God, God said, literally, he said, listen, time and again. He's like, listen, you've got to be connected to me. I am your source. He's like, this is what, this is what Jesus teaches. He says, and he says, like, listen, I, I am the vine. You are branches. We are supposed to produce fruit. <clears throat> we are so busy focusing on gifts that we don't look if we're bearing the fruit. We need to study the fruit. Patience. Joy. Peace? Yeah, I know we can Shabbat Shabbat. I get that. That's good. I, I, know, I, know, I know a couple years ago you laid hands on someone and their headache went away. That's beautiful. Um, but if you could, but if you could um, just be nice to your kids for four days in a row, right? You know, like we could just be nice to our spouse on purpose. You, not just when we feel like it, right? Like just on purpose, be good people, right? Just not be anxious. Like if we could just focus on that. 
Like, who knows? We might raise the dead. I, I just don't know. We, 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 we might see revival in Boca Raton. If we could be some people who just bear the fruit of the Spirit, just be, just be loving in my driving would be just like Moses would have to come with his staff and Aaron holding his other hand to get us just to drive nice in South Florida, right? Like, it would take a miracle of biblical proportions for us just to be polite in a car, Right? And we're ready for revival, we say. Like, man, you ain't ready for revival. You need to revive your own self. And then, then you can talk about reviving South Florida. <clears throat> oh, man, this is not good. And Jesus was like really explicit about this. He's like, listen, I'm, I'm the vine. Your branches produce fruit. And uh, if you don't produce fruit, no, no, no pressure. But if you don't produce fruit, we cut you off. Like, you just get cut off the vine. We're like, and then that's, I'm, I don't want to go down this road too long. Duke, I memorize the gifts way before I memorize the fruit. I memorize the gifts of the Spirit way before I memorize any other kind of part of the Bible. I knew all nine. I could quote them, teach them, whatever, and I'm like, the fruit? That's all good. But Jesus, Jesus didn't say if you don't produce gifts, I'm going to cut you off. He didn't say if you don't become a five-fold minister, I'm going to cut you off. He said you don't produce fruit, you get cut off the vine. Perhaps we should shift our focus just a little bit in our lives to produce a fruit. But this isn't, this, isn't, this, isn't, this isn't like a word that Jesus gave to give us scare. It wasn't a threat. Because I believe when Jesus said this, he just assumed that we would want to produce fruit. Because you know what? If you read the fruit of the Spirit, your life is better. You actually live a better life. Now, I have known prophets. I've known, I've known real prophets. And I've known self-appointed prophets. I've known prophets that I, I consider prophets, and I have known prophets that they consider themselves prophets, right? And, and the ones who consider themselves prophets that I don't generally are marked by they're mean, right? They don't produce any fruit. They exalt themselves. Anybody met these kind of people? They got a word for you in the word they want to run your life. And, 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 and I'm like, no, that's not so much what I'm... What I'm what I'm looking for in my life, no thank you. And I, I've met all these people who say they have gifts and they have no fruit. And, and, and Jesus is like, I believe, I believe that Jesus said, listen, here, here's what happens. I'm the vine, you're the branches. In me, you're going to bear lots of fruit, right? So just stay in me because, you know, God cuts off branches that don't bear any fruit. And I believe Jesus thought, well, clearly they're going to want to live better lives. They're going to want to emulate me. They're going to want to look like their father. They're going to want to love the way their father loves. I, I believe that he just, he just assumed, like, we're not going to pick, if we see, if we actually see how good God is, there's no chance we would choose something else. Right? And as a matter of fact, in, in John 15, 11, as we end this scripture where he talks about these vines and these, and these branches, he says, these things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made what? full. He said this whole thing about the vine and the branches and the fruit so that we can live joyful lives. Not just a little bit of happiness. Not, not just a, a visitation of, of giddiness. Not, not just like a day where we've been grinding so hard, we finally YOLO and we just do all kinds of things we know we shouldn't be doing. That, that's, that's, not, that's not... He just thought like, man, you, you're going to bear fruit and then your joy is going to be full. Like, can you imagine a life where your whole family likes you and you like your whole family? Like everybody gets along. Wouldn't that be great? 
Wouldn't that be great? Just living like we're Christians. Wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't that be something? It would just be like, again, we might have revival in South Florida if we just lived like Christians. But this is, this is we, have to, we have to decide that our joy is not going to be situational. Our joy can't, can't be based on what's happening around us. Our, our joy can be found in the darkest places. Because in the darkest places, God is still with us. Joy, joy is not, <clears throat> joy, I, I want you to hear me. When the revivals were happening in the 90s, the late 90s, early 2000s, <clears throat> there were whole revivals where people would get the joy of the Lord. And, and they would just begin laughing uncontrollably. And I've been in more of those meetings than I could count, and they were, they were glorious. They were just beautiful. And, 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 and joy would kind of roll through. And we've had it in our church many times. But joy would just kind of roll through like, like a cloud. And you would just hear people over there laughing. You're like, I don't know what's... I'm trying to hear the dude here. I don't know why you're laughing over there. Like, that's, that's a little rude, right? Like, that's, I'm trying to listen to the man. Y'all over here just laughing. That's, that's rude, right? And then it would just start spreading. And you'd be like, that's weird. Like, that's why are you doing that? That's weird. And then, the, then your row starts laughing. And you're like, these people are faking it. And then 10 minutes later, you're on the ground laughing so hard your abs are in pain and you're like I don't know what's happening right now because this isn't that funny actually I feel weird I feel funny people are looking at me and I can't stop laughing and then after about an hour and a half of that you get up and then you realize you got healed of something like God just did something did something supernatural I've seen it I don't know how many times I've seen it it got like that that's 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 but what, a funny thing that happened was, after those revivals, people would become acculturated to that. And anytime God showed up, they'd just start laughing. And I'd be like, it, it, there'd be an altar call where the conviction of the Spirit was in the room. And people would start laughing. And I'd be like, shh, this is, this, that, that's not God, that's how you react. And so then people began to fake joy. God doesn't need fake joy. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about when you're miserable, acting happy. We, Christianity is not an acting class. We're not learning to act some way. We're learning to choose joy so that we can train our spirit man to see God. This is us maturing. There, there, there were people I knew who would get drunk in the spirit, which I've carried many, many women out of, out of meetings and men out of meetings who got drunk in the spirit, couldn't drive home. Uh, I've had just so many testimonies about that. But then there were people who would act drunk all the time. I'm like, come on, man, make some dinner. What are you doing? Just like, <laughs> but like, it's funny. You get drunk in the spirit when you're supposed to be in revival kids. That's funny. Every time you're assigned to revival kids, you're too overcome by the Holy Ghost to serve in children's ministry. Ain't that a coincidence? Ain't that funny? Ain't that, ain't that something? Ain't that something? We're just going to stop telling you. Just tell you when you get here. Oh, by the way, you're in revival kids. Oh, no, no. Talk to Holy Spirit earlier. He's going to leave you alone. Just go surf, right? <laughs> Hallelujah. Carl, keep it together here. But, I, but, but what I don't want us to do is become a fake church. I don't want to be that where you just, you know, how you doing, brother? Oh, I'm blessed. Be a blessing. Oh, yeah. How you doing? I just, I don't want, I don't want that nonsense. I don't, I don't, we don't need fake. I need people who really know that God is a source of their joy, that we can live in a deep, deep, deep place of joy. This is what I want for us. I, we don't need, 
we don't need to deny our problems. The joy of the Lord is bigger than our problems, but it doesn't deny our problems. Real joy says, I understand all the problems in front of me, but I'm looking to that promise at the end, and that determines my mental health. This joy that I'm going to receive in the end, when I see Jesus face to face. Now, between here and there, I got some problems I got to solve. But these problems are not the source of my joy or my mental health. I see beyond them because I spend time focusing on Jesus and the joy that he has. Now, when I come to a problem, I don't like, oh, I'm just filled with the spirits. I don't know how to pay my rent this week. Oh, it's just God is messing with me. No, 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 no. Oh, I can't be nice to people because I'm a prophet and God's giving me a word. No, 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 that's you, bro. That's you. You're just not nice, right? No, no, no. You're just checking out of problems. No, no, no. That, no, 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 no. That is not it. We are to focus on the joy of the Lord and that be the source of our wisdom and knowledge and understanding so that we can solve problems on the earth that other people who do not know him can solve. We want to tap into God's eternal wisdom, God's eternal joy, God's eternal glory. And since God is, is our God, if we're focused on the end, then we got to know that God is using all of our problems for our good. There's not a single problem that comes your way that God will not turn for good if you focus on God in the midst of it. What the enemy wants you to do is he, remember, we talked about this at length, that, that we have disordered desires, right? And, and so the lies of the devil appeal to our disordered desires, which are normalized in sinful society. And so some of us were raised in a way where we avoid problems. And so we have a disordered desire to not have any problems. We don't want problems so much that we're willing to let our lives be sabotaged with failure so we don't face our problems. I'm getting in somebody's business right now. <clears throat> and so since we're scared, we're so scared to face these problems, we deny them. And then we find other friends who are losers just like us who aren't facing their problems. So we don't want to deal with issues. And the devil lies to us and says, oh, you don't have to worry about it. If God is God, you could just throw yourself off this rock and he'll save you. You could just put this all on a credit card and God's going to get you the money to pay for it. No, no, no. That is a disordered desire to buy things you cannot afford, right? And so since you lust for things you can't afford, come on, I'm just, I'm, I'm, let me take it down a notch. Let me take it down. I'm not, I'm not trying to call anybody out here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Since we lust for things we cannot afford, we'll put it on a credit card. That's the sins of our flesh. And, 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 and it just, it just, it just, the devil's like, oh, you could, you could, you could pay that off later. You know, in, in a year, you're going to have the money. You know that you're going to, no, you know you're not. That's the real truth. <laughs> you ain't had it in 30. You ain't going to get it in the next six months. <laughs> but these disordered desires are just telling you, you know, it's probably, and everybody, you know, has one because they don't put it on. I just. Anybody here been, been to Brazil? You go to Brazil, there's two things that you see in stores. They show you the price and what your monthly payment will be for that thing. Everything. Be a pair of pants. $25 or $2 a month. Like, do you put, just like, it's, just a, it's just a debt society. And we're seeing that more and more here. You go to checkout, you can choose PayPal, and it's like, or $7 a month. If you're buying, if you got a $7 a month payment to buy something, you just need to wait till the $7 collects. 
got to be smarter than this. That thing is not going to bring you joy. You just wait. Just wait, right? You sit on the floor till you can afford a box. Sit on a box so you can afford a chair. Sit on a chair till you can afford a couch. That's just, we just, let's just get your life together. Come on, somebody. Let's just get it together a little bit here. A little delayed gratitude, right? The chair is not going to change your life. Just sit on the floor for a little bit and pay your bills, right? Okay, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm finishing up this message series, honey. I'm, I'm almost done here. I'm almost, yeah, but it's, I hope Black Friday didn't do nobody in. There is still time to take your stuff back. There is time to take it back. But it's on sale. It's like I'm making money. No, it ain't. It's like you're spending money. That is the lie of the devil appealing to your disordered desire, which is normalized in what? Sinful society. That's, they want you to be in a slave to debt just like they are. Where the Bible says, oh man, nothing but love. But everybody, we just owing everybody for nothing. Ah, oh, this phone works. But that one, I can have paid off in two and a half years. Why are you paying a two and a half years for a phone? When you got one that works, get you a flip phone until you can afford a phone. Don't, don't do this. I'm sorry. <laughs> Hallelujah. Flip the script on the devil, people. Flip the script on your generational curses. Flip the script on what? I mean, mm, Shabbat Kate. Shabbat. Oh, Jesus. I'm on one today. I am on one today. Listen, if we just got to, come on, somebody, we need to look, just, 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 okay, get in a place, just worship, just worship, and get in a good place. Don't do this when you're in a bad place. When you're in a good place, just get in a good place, and just take an honest look at your whole family. What do I see in my whole family? Because you're going to see that in you, right? And you just say, like, my, my mama nasty, my sister's nasty, my cousin's nasty, I can't trust nobody. Who am I? Wait a minute. I've been discipled by this my whole life. What have I done to be different other than judge them? Because that don't do it. I have to purposefully be different. And I, I, I'm just, 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 that's just, I'm just write that down. Just write it down and just, just choose to be better. Be better. Flip the script on the, de- I tell you, I tell you, if I just preach this to people who didn't even know Jesus and they listen, their lives would be better. We got the Holy Ghost who's giving us the power to actually do this stuff. Now, businessmen who are judging me, I understand about financing and collateralization, and I get that. That's not what I'm talking about. If you don't know what I just said, I'm talking to you, right? And I, if you know what I just said, I, yeah, there's a business thing for that, right? I, I get it, you know, liquidity, and I, I, I'm, not, I'm not creating the United States economy. I'm talking about don't spend money you don't have. That, 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 that's what I'm saying. Is that, is that right? And so, so, so God is using all, even the things I just talked about. If I just talked about you just now, man, God is going to use this struggle for your good. He brought you here today, not because he wanted me to call you out. He brought you here today because he has something better for you than this slave of debt. That he does not want you to sit in bed at night and worry about how you're going to pay your bills. He does not want you to be a slave of the lender. He wants you to be free. It is for freedom that Christ set you free. And that's why he sent me here today to let you know there's a better life for you. I believe it, even if you don't. Come on, one class, we all clap. I believe it for you. Let me share some Bible with you. James, just like Paul, he knew Jesus. How? 
He's his brother. He really knew Jesus. He didn't believe Jesus was the Savior, right? But he really knew Jesus. He knew Jesus as he was. In James, you, you know you got to be holy to actually believe your, your, your brother is something good, right? Like you got to, you know you died to some flesh to be exalting your brother, right? Like, and James is like, James is like, listen, this is James. He had been, he'd been tapped into this same wellspring of life. Consider it all joy when you encounter various trials. Now, some, I remember reading that. I'm like, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard in my whole life. I just thought it was escapism. Like, just count it joy. Oh, I'm so happy things are going bad. I just thought that was the dumbest thing ever. Oh, look, another problem. Woohoo! Like, what, are y'all on drugs? Like, what is, is Christianity like, like, like a cult? What are we talking about here? That's not what he's saying. He's not saying just be happy things are bad. Oh, Russia invaded Ukraine. <laughs> oh, that's so great. No, that is not what he's saying at all, right? That's not what he's saying. He's saying, listen, we got to read things in context. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Now, if you give up, don't count it joy because it's going to stay miserable for you. This scripture will not work for you if you don't read the whole thing. If you don't read the book, it, uh, read the book, it helps, right? It just, it really helps to know Jesus if we read the book. He says, consider it joy when you fall into various trials, knowing the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let it have its perfect result so you can be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. What does this mean? What, what are we talking about here? This means that when you fall into a trial, God knew this was coming. God has a way of escape. And you need to tap into that wellspring of life that comes from the cross, that comes from the resurrection that comes from the right hand of the Father, that comes from the Spirit of Jesus living on the inside of you, forming you into His likeness. If you take a shortcut out, you will not be transformed in His image. If you decide that I'm not going to endure this trial, but you know, my, my boss got me on this, and I'll let him know, you're not going to put me on that. You ain't going to talk to me this way. I be, and you get fired? You are not having your patience perfected. Your faith is not being perfected. Your, your, your walk is not being perfected. Your testimony is not being perfected. You did not endure with patience. But if we will just wait and trust God, James is saying, I have found, James is saying, that there are hard times that come and there are trials that come. This is James who watched the most godly man who ever walked the earth, the, 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 the son of his own mother, who was murdered when he never sinned, murdered, beaten brutally, destroyed, his body bloodied all over Jerusalem, dragged all over that city to be an example to those who would go against Rome. He saw that man murdered. He saw his own friends being persecuted. He saw the church being scattered. And James says, I have, I have learned something that when these trials come, if I look at these trials and I make my life about what's going wrong in my life, man, I can't, I can't move past that trauma. There's trauma that we go through. You got trauma. I got trauma. We all got issues. Some, some people look at my issues and be like, Pastor, there ain't nothing compared to my issues. Amen. And I look at some of your problems and you're like, oh, I got this going on. I'm like, I wish I had a problem like that. That would be all right. But all of us, we got trauma. And trauma is like a, it's like a glue trap. We put some glue traps out to catch some mice. You know, we had some, we had some rodents. 
The problem is we had little glue traps and big rodents, and we came to the glue traps, and it was just a rodent foot in it. And I was like, ooh, that ain't good. I don't want to see a three-footed rodent. That's even worse than a rodent, right? But some of us, we get in these, these glue traps. The trauma in our life becomes a glue trap, and we just get stuck. And time moves on, and we're stuck. We're stuck in that trauma. And this is what happens when we let our reality be formed by the trauma that we've experienced. We stay in that trauma. We could be 5, 10, 15 years later, someone says something, someone approaches you wrong, or the situation happens, and all of a sudden, you're right back in that trauma. And James is like, I have noticed that, imagine your friends are murdered. All your friends are getting murdered. All the people you love being murdered. Your brother, murdered. People, scattered. James is like, I've noticed that if, if, I don't, if I don't stay in that trauma, if I look back to being formed in God's image, look forward to what's, what's the hope that's in front of me, if I keep my eyes on that hope in front of me, all of a sudden my eyes aren't on the trauma any longer. And as I look to that hope, I'm drawn to it. Now when I look at the trauma, I'm stuck. When I look at my problems, when I look at the trials, when I look at, the, oh man, this is awful. I don't know how I'm going to get past this. We say, no, no, let me look at if I, look at, if I look at the God, the author and perfecter of my faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, all of a sudden I'm transported. And all of a sudden God teaches me, wait a minute, I, I can actually get through more than I thought I could get through. I can actually endure more than I thought I could endure. I, I can actually overcome some things without having to sin, without having to lie, without having to resort to the things of my flesh, my disordered desires. I do not actually have to live according to my fears and anxieties. I can wait for the salvation of the Lord. This is, this is what I believe James is saying. And, and if you have received Jesus Christ as Lord, you have to hear me when I tell you he is at the controls. He's turning every trial in your life for good. What you are going through today, what you were anxious about last night, what you woke up worrying about, if you will keep your eyes on Jesus, it will become part of your testimony. It's going to become another line in your testimony. We have a hard time living in righteousness, peace, and joy because we are often more aware of our problems than we are of the God who has a solution to every problem in our lives. You have to decide what you're going to be aware, more aware of in your life. Am I going to be more aware of what people did to me, or am I going to be more aware of the God who is writing my testimony? And even in this betrayal, He will be glorified. Can you say amen to that? Amen. I am going long, but I am, I am, I'm, I hope you're getting healed, because I am, um, amen. I, 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 I amen. I will let you know there is an end to this message. We're not there yet, but it's, it's, this, is, this should be three more messages. Okay, I am going to rush through this now. Here we go. We need to cultivate joy. We need to look at it like a garden that we're building. And we need to water it. We need to take care of it. We need to treasure it. Because your level of joy is dependent on which reality you're most aware of. Am I mo is God at the center of my reality or am I? In modernity, for those who have studied history, we, we lowered faith to just another 
aspect of, of science that can be examined. And, and, and in science, we take apart the little pieces and we judge them and, 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 and the sum is the, the parts put together. And, 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 but they can't track, what science can't track is the God factor. He is the main catalyst in the earth and he gets the last word. Our God, you cannot put him in a box. He can do whatever he wants and his word says that he wants you to have joy. In trials, in trials, we need to cultivate a thankful heart. We need to be, I mean, I'm telling you, the fleas, you got to be thankful. We got to be thankful for the end of the month when we don't have enough money because we're going to learn how to manage our money better. We're going to appreciate the prosperity that is coming. We have to thank God for the conflicts because it's an opportunity for you to be humble and mend a relationship. We have to cultivate a thankful, joyful heart. We have to be thankful before we get the outcome we want. We have to protect our joy. You have to protect it because the world won't protect it for you. In, um, in the Washington Post, it's one of the leading uh, newspapers of secular newspapers in America. They had an article out this week. Are you a chronic people pleaser? Here's how to be kinder to yourself. The world understands that we have to cultivate protecting our mental health. Now, there are phenomenal secular um, therapists and psychiatrists and psychologists who can help you just get your brain working right. But we have something better. We actually have a God who heals supernaturally. And he gave us the tools to partner with him in our healing. But he says we have to guard our mental health. We have to guard our heart with all diligence. We need friends in our lives that say, you got to quit talking about that. You got to quit. I, have a, I had a very, very good friend whose dad um, had, was in ministry. And uh, his dad had... Uh, was, well, he was a child molester, basically. He was, he was a pedophile, and he had um, violated a family member, um, among other people. And he would talk about his dad. Every time he brought his dad up, he would say that about him. And his dad had a similar name, and so he took on a nickname because he didn't want to be traveling the same circles with the same name as his dad, and he brought it up. And after a year, I said, hey, brother, man, uh, you know, I already know that about your dad, right? He's like, I need to stop talking about that, huh? I was like, it's probably time to let that go, right? Like it's, it's horrible, it's terrible, it's awful, but you need to move forward for you. You need to move forward. We need friends in our life that say, uh, yeah, I've heard you complain about that six times now. Um, is that now your God or do you have an altar to this in your house or can we move on from this at some point? Can we get some, would you like to talk about solving this problems? I understand there's a difference between, you know, you're in a conflict, you're like, hey, do you want to be heard or are you looking for solutions? Husbands, learn this. When your wife comes to you with a problem, you say, before you start fixing things, do you want to be heard or are you looking for solutions? I promise you, it's almost always the first one. They're not actually looking for you to solve things for them, right? Ladies, can, you, can I get an amen? Yeah, yeah, they're not looking for you to fix their lives, right? They actually want to be heard. And, and so we say, okay, do you want to be heard? Or, but there there's, comes an end of being heard. 
There comes an end of, yeah, we've talked about this every day this week. We've talked about this for a month now. We're either going to fix this problem or you're going to take it to Jesus and stop taking it to me, right? Like at some point, you need a friend who's going to say, yeah, now this has turned into a heart condition. This is not an outside issue. That's not a them issue anymore. This is a you issue. All right, that's all right. All right, I just keep going. But we cannot let people steal our joy. We got to learn. This is what they're saying. Like, you know what? You know what the big magic solution to this people-pleasing thing is? You ready? This is what the secular papers have for them. You have to learn to say no. Now, us eights, us Enneagram eights, no problem there. We don't have a problem with that at all. That's not an issue at all. Like, can you do that? No, I don't think so. Why not? I didn't even think about it. I don't know. Just no, right? But some of you people pleasers, your, your emotions are based on people accepting you. And, and, you, and, and then they're like, we got to say no. And, and, and we have to, I'm, I'm coming to an end. Let me get the band to come up. We're going to sing really loud and we're going to lay hands on some people. Oh, Jesus. I'm not quite there yet. Hold on. Stay down for a second. I'm not quite there yet. We're almost there though. We're almost there. We're almost there. We're almost there. We're almost there. Here's what you're going to find out. No amount of joy will overcome a person who has made their mind up to be miserable. There's no, there's no success. There's no victories. There's no happiness. There's nothing in this world that will overcome a person who's made up their mind to be miserable. Has, does anybody know any of these people? Have you ever been this person? We all have at some point. But we got to, we, 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 we got to, I want to let you know you're not in this fight alone. Actually, Ben, come up. I'm going to, I have to, I have to land the plane. I have to land the plane before you find another church before this is over. <laughs> I want you to know if, if I've talked about your business today, um, you're not alone. That's all right, Mikey. Mike wants to be on camera. Watch this. This is what the, the, the writer of Hebrews said. He says, therefore... Since we also have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us let every, let's rid ourselves of every obstacle and the sin which so easily entangles us. <clears throat> now, this is our scripture that we're studying today. And I'm not just starting here. What, the, what, what, the, what we need to learn is, in our message series, talking back, we have these disordered desires. In the sermon here, Hebrews... He's saying, listen, we got to move on from our disordered desires. We, we cannot, we can't let those things be normalized. We can't let this society normalize how we behave. We're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. There, there is, I believe, Corey Tembom was, was here listening to the message today as we shared her testimony. I, I believe that as we talked about Peter, he's like, oh, yeah. One of my sermons is getting preached again. That's so awesome. I, I believe that as we, as we talked about James, I believe heaven knows that we're talking about James. I believe your, your family members who were in the Lord and went on before you, I believe they're around us. I, I believe there is this, we're surrounded by this testimony of believers who fought the good fight of faith. And that is the society that we're supposed to be normalized to. That's who we want to be like. We're surrounded by people who have won this race. And we want to be like them. Those who come from the Catholic faith, you know they have saints, right? They have the, we, we don't need a track. We're going to start right in the, right in the, right in the, right in the, right in the thingy bedoogle. Just play a little bit. We're good. If you were, I grew up, I grew up um, in Episcopal and we had these saints, right? And, and you know how someone, like we believe as soon as somebody gets saved, they're a saint, right? We're Protestants. That's what we do. We're saints. The, the, the liturgical church 
they, they have people they call saints. And the way you become a saint is that you've done something for someone else. We believe if you decide to become holy, you're now a saint. It's just you and God. Whereas the liturgical church, they have a, a slightly different view that it can't just be about you. It's got to be about helping someone else. Real saints don't just receive Christ. Real saints let the life of Christ flow through them. And we have a similar belief. Listen, you can't give up because there's people counting on your breakthrough. There are people that need your, amen. There are people who need your breakthrough. <clears throat> Being a blessing to those people around you meant that itself will become a source of joy in your life. Yes. Just, just, now you, when you get saved, now you are a minister of the gospel and now you will decide, will I be a saint or not? Will I now be a blessing to the people? Will I be an outpost of the kingdom of God to the people around me? Or will I just look like the world except I go to church on Sunday? Sharing your joy is countercultural, spiritual, missional work. If you decide to be joyful in South Florida, you are a missionary to South Florida. If you just be happy to these miserable people in South Florida, you are like a missionary from heaven. Great to see you today. Why are you so happy? Oh, I'm going to heaven when I die. That's why I'm happy. Jesus has bought me by his blood, and I've been sanctified by the work of the Lamb, and I will one day spend eternity in heaven. I will one day see Jesus face to face, and for the rest of my life, I am going to be communing with the saints of God. That's why I'm happy. How about you? <laughs> I have a joy that the world cannot have. I have a joy the world cannot steal. I have a joy that the world didn't give me, so it sure can't take it away. You say amen. I have a joy that comes from Jesus. When you share your joy, you are fighting the spirit of South Florida. You're fighting the spirit where everybody's trying to come up on one another. When you talk about Jesus, when you talk about your salvation, when you talk about what God has done, the more you sow into joy, the more you have to share. This is the more you get to live in joy. I got to tell you, I've been miserable and I've been joyful. Joyful is better. Yeah. Now at first, if you decide to live in joy, it's going to feel fake. It's going to feel like you're putting on a show. Like, oh, I'm not feeling like this is really me. It, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, it's not really you. But it will be if you continue to press in and endure the work that Jesus has for you. If you will endure in thankfulness when you want to complain, if you will endure in joy when you want to feel sad, if you will endure, then God will transform you into a new creation where you can be a conduit of his blessing. If you decide to live in love, you decide to live in compassion, you decide to look up the fruit of the Spirit and decide, I'm going to choose these things in every situation. Now for joy, for Jesus, joy of the Lord was real. And it empowered him to face the cross. Again, our scripture for today. Look to Jesus. The originator and perfecter of the faith, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross. Now, he didn't want to be shamed. He despised the shame they, they put on him. But he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Friend, this is what God has for you. This is what God has 
for you. Stand with me if you would. This is a joy the world can't give. But it was enough for Jesus to endure the cross. I want to challenge you this week to look to Jesus. If you're sad, if you're upset, if you're discouraged, I want you to look to Jesus. I want you to choose life. I want you to choose love. I want you to choose compassion. I want you to see the people around you who need Jesus and invite them to come to a place where they can be encouraged to live a better life. Shakaba. We're going to sing. And we're going to declare that God is above all these things. Give me some, Mike. Pray in the Spirit if you would. I feel there's people in the room right now. You need, you need some time between you and Jesus. Hey, hey. And I believe that Jesus right now is going to touch you in a way where you have. <laughs> the Bible says that he gives us the Holy Ghost which is a down payment on our salvation. What does that mean? What does that mean? What I don't understand, Pastor.